thankful for what God's done, for who he is to me, and for what he's been to me. We talk about, uh, he doesn't like me being by that. We talk about what it is to have a relationship with Almighty God, and that probably is a little different for each of us. And we talk about the experience of Christianity and what that means and who we are, and it's so much more for me than just to say that I'm a Christian. Because it is to say who God is to me and what he's done in my life and where he's brought me from, and I am so thankful for that this morning. I am so thankful for who he's been and for what he's been to me, and I'm blessed to know him this morning. I think that probably stands true for each of us. I, uh, I, I, was, I was blessed to be able to go home a few weeks ago. When I say go home, this is home. In fact, I, I can remember the day. Uh, it's been six or eight months ago now that it, it really clicked that Kenneth was home. We were driving to church one morning, and it's a real long drive, you know, that 48 seconds in the car from the house to here, but as we were driving to church, it, it clicked that I was that I was home, and I, I'm thankful for that, so when I, when I say home, don't think I'm not glad to be where we're at, but, but I went home this weekend, I went back, or a few weekends ago, Braden and I uh, took a weekend off, and we went and hung out with my parents, and we deer hunted a little bit, and walked around a little bit in the woods, and I, I was blessed to be able to walk in some places that I have been walking all my life. My great-grandfather owned the land since the early 50s that our, our property's on there, and uh, as a kid, I spent all of my summers and every day after school um, on that farm, on that property, and I'd, I'd walk around through those woods and across those fields and chase cows through there and get into all kinds of general mischief around there. And that, that place, that little bit of ground is, is home to me. And I, I have for, for years, I've always told people, they say, where, where are you from? And I simply answer, I'm from God's country. We got hills and we got trees and we got grass and there's, there's cows roaming around and there's things to shoot out in the woods and fish to catch in the pond. And if I knew everything was stopping tomorrow and I had to, go somewhere that I could survive for a while, I'd probably go right there. I could walk out there and I could stay there for a while and, Brother Johnson, I'm going to switch. And, and I could walk there and I could roam there and I could find stuff to eat and find stuff to live off of and probably make it by, make it through. But I, I've responded that way all my life, that that is, that's God's country. And I was thinking about that a little bit. Got a lot of time to think sitting in a deer stand. Um, watching Braden sleep, um, he's got it really good. He he gets up in the stand with me and he goes to sleep. And then when a deer comes by, I wake him up and he decides if that's one that he's shooting or one dad's shooting, or one we're letting walk. And then so I said, no, that one's not big enough. Okay, you go back to sleep. I'll shoot it, and then we'll we'll sit here a while longer and see what comes on up next. Because he he's got it really really good. Um, it's your last year, of that buddy. Um, Next year, you're going out on your own, and I'm going to go to the other side of the farm by myself. Um, but Braden's sleeping, and I'm watching squirrels run around, play in the snow, and just kind of enjoying the day. And I begin to think of a little bit about what that meant. What I had been saying all these years is I told everybody, hey, I'm from, I'm from God's country. Because if I'm honest with you, I've always said that you've got to have the hills for it to be God's country. Once you got where it was flat and there aren't many trees... 
God had forgot about that place. And then I moved here. Um, so I, I've got to start changing that mindset a little bit. Um, but we're, we're sitting there and I'm in what I consider to be the most, one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. If I could take every one of you and walk through those woods for a day, I would because it's, it means that much to me. And it, it's not just the woods or the trees or the animals, but I can look at some places. I can look at the field just off the barnyard and I can remember one of my earliest memories is walking hand in hand with my grandfather there, walking across that field, headed to do something with cows. While we were walking, I don't know, but walking across that field and he began to teach me and instill some things in me. I couldn't have been more than four or five, um, or maybe six years old. And walking across that field with my grandpa, going to check on some cows, and he begins to explain some things to me. He said, son, it's, it's not what you make, it's what you spend. Begin to instill some things into my head that have stuck the rest of my life, some Life lessons, some spiritual lessons that I learned walking across those fields, walking through those woods that have stuck with me all my life, shaped me into who I am. I can remember we, we drove the Jeep through the same gate that I hit on a four-wheeler and broke all the ribs on one side of me and taught me that you maybe should be a little more careful. It didn't stick, but I learned that lesson for a moment. Uh, there were some memories there, some things I picked up and what that meant to me and then I began to think about what it really meant to be in God's country. And I thought about a, an embassy. And I, well, we're going to stop and read a passage of Scripture in John, and then I'll get back to rambling in a moment. But in the 17th chapter of John, and the youth, you've already heard this passage because we went a different direction but off the same Scripture this morning. John 17, I'm going to start reading with verse 11. It says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom he has given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak into the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I've given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of this or of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their lives I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. You may be seated this morning. This passage of scripture came to me while I was sitting in a tree stand thinking about what it meant to be in God's country. And I realized that as we're in the church, we're in God's country. And whether I'm back in the woods in Piedmont or I'm behind the pulpit in Kennet, if I'm with the church, I'm in God's country. I'm in his place and and I'm in this world, but not of this world. And I thought about that and I began to think about an embassy and I remembered a story I was told. And uh, it was some soldiers that had gotten separated. They were, I don't know exactly, don't remember all of the story, but they'd gotten separated from their unit in a country we weren't supposed to be in and uh, with military action. As they were there, they were being to be chased by people that wanted to do them bodily harm. They wanted to capture them and torture them or kill them. They were trying to get a hold of them. These guys had to get away, and they had to get somewhere they could get safely. 
And as the story goes, they're being chased and the chasers get closer and closer and it gets to where it becomes like a car chase scenario and they're driving through the streets and it may have been Baghdad, I don't remember, but this was during the second Gulf War is one of those countries and they're driving through these streets and as they drive, the truck behind them is getting closer and closer and closer. And it's just them, but they get to where they're headed and they find the U.S. Embassy. And as they're going, that truck is following and following and following and following. And they're calling ahead, hey, open the gates, let us in, let us in. And the Marine force there at the embassy sees them coming. They're in contact with them. And they open the gates and they come through the gates. And at the gates of the embassy, the followers stop. Because inside that place, they were no longer on the ground of the country they'd been in. You see, once they crossed through those gates, they were on U.S. soil didn't matter where that U.S. soil was because inside the gates of the United States Embassy, anywhere in the world, you get inside those gates, you're on United States soil. I looked it up just for grins while I was preparing for this. and You can go to the State Department's website and you can scroll down to the part where it talks about embassies. and It talks about individuals that are seeking refuge from extreme physical damage or danger, regardless of who they are or where they at, may seek refuge inside a U.S. embassy at any time, any day, anywhere. Because if somebody's after you, especially if you are a U.S. citizen, there is a place for you inside those gates that is safe from outside. Now think of Christ as he's talking with the disciples here and he's praying over them as he's preparing to leave and he's talking about what it means. In my mind, he's talking about what it means to be a Christian. He says, as as I've been in this world, but not of this world. And he was the ultimate in this world, but not of this world. He was fully God, fully man. God robed in flesh, came down to dwell among us on this earth But he was God incarnate living on this earth with us. And I think about that a little bit, that as he leaves and his spirit comes into us, we have God inside of us, but yet we still live here. We look at the mess around us and the world around us and the problems around us, and sometimes life comes at us so hard and we feel like we're in that vehicle chase and I'm just trying to get away from everything, that all the weight that's there. There's all kinds of things that, become weighed upon us. Maybe it's something we've done and sins that we've incurred, problems that we've made for ourselves. Maybe it's life happening that we didn't do anything about. Sometimes life happens, it's not our fault. But regardless of the situation, whether I caused it or not, I noticed when I read that on the embassy's website, it didn't say anything about whether you deserved the physical damage. Just that if you were trying to escape it, you could find refuge in the embassy. And I realized that my fault or not, I wasn't ever deserving of who God is for me. I wasn't ever deserving of what Christ does in my life, what he can do in my life. None of us ever could do anything to be good enough or great enough or do enough works that God will say, okay, now you deserve it. I can't be that. You can't be that. If you think you are, you... There's one reason you're not. None of us are perfect. We are born imperfect people. We are human beings. 
favorite statement of my dad's. I've spent a few years working for my dad as an employee, not just as his son. And one of his statements that he makes that always meant a lot to me when you goof up is not a big deal. We're human. Sometimes you goof up and it's not a big deal anyway. But sometimes you goof up and it is a big deal. I remember once buying a truckload, like a tractor-trailer load of the wrong lumber while I had a contractor waiting on that lumber. So not only do I have like, I don't remember the numbers now, but sixty or $70,000 of lumber, that is not my money I bought it with, um, that isn't something we sell and not something we have a need for and it's sitting in our yard. But also I have a contractor that still needs the sixty or $70,000 of the right lumber, so I've still got to go spend another sixty or $70,000 to get another truckload of the right stuff, and the contractor's mad because he's delayed, and the boss is mad because now he spent one hundred and forty grand instead of seventy grand. Pretty big problems, and Dad says, "Ah, we're all human; it happens." And it wasn't just for me because I've seen him do it for other people there. And I was thankful to hear that, but that tells me that I'm not perfect. We're all not perfect. We've all made mistakes. None of us have earned what we find in Christ in relationship. With God, but even so, He offers it to each of us. It doesn't matter who we are, it doesn't matter what we've done, but we get in this place that we're carrying weight, sometimes feel like we're running from something that's chasing us. And that began to all go through my head when I'm sitting in the deer stand, because I'll tell you, if I'm having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month and things just aren't going the way I want them to, and I'm starting to get down about it, and I'm generally a pretty upbeat person. Things have got to get fairly rough for me to get down about it as a general rule. But it happens from time to time. I begin to get down, get upset, and I, I begin to just wait, starts to hang, and tell you what I do if I can at all. I, I take a day or two, and I go back. I go back to the farm, and I sit in those woods, walk through those trees, and that, that place to me is, is an embassy. been that way ever since I left home that I can always go back and I can be there a little while but it's so much more when we come back home to the house of God or to relationship with Almighty God that regardless of what I carry and regardless of what's chasing me it stops at those doors regardless of what there is in life I can bring it to these altars and I can walk away without the weight that I carried in with me and as such this place And I don't mean this physical building, but I mean this place that is the church, this (coughs) this building that is built upon the rock of revelation of who he is. As he told Peter in the book of Matthew um, 16, verse 18, he says, I said unto thee, and Peter has just answered and said, uh, God says, who are you? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 18, I'll say this also unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock. He's not saying upon the rock of Peter, but upon this rock of revelation of who I am. I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Our church is something built on a foundation of revelation of who he is. What that means is that when I walk into the church, he is who I need him to be. And he is what I need him to be. And this is the same God we remember that said before Abraham was I am. This is the same God that throughout the Old Testament 
was described by all these names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, over and over and over these compound names because this Jehovah meant the God that has the ability to do peace, healing, provision, victory, whatever name they put after because they understood that God was the God to be what they needed, when they needed, where they needed Him. And that God is the same God that says before Abraham was, I am. He's saying, I am the God that you need me to be where you need me when you need it. Because I am. I'm so thankful today I know the name of Jesus to put. And I don't have to build these intricate compound names to say, okay, he's the God of financial provision this week. And he's the God that puts the food on the table this week. And he's the God that works out my problems this week. And the God that heals my body this week. And next week I hope he's the God that... Make sure my children stay living for him the rest of their lives. And he's the God that does this and the God that does that. I can simply say that in every situation, in every day, in every place, he is Jesus. And that I can know him. And because I can have a relationship with him, he will be there for me. And that is where that sanctuary is. It's that it does not matter what I carry into relationship with him. I do not have to carry it out. As long as my church, as long as I am in the church with them, I'm together with this body of believers and we're operating off this revelation of who He is to us. We are working off this understanding of what He is for us. When I get to that place, I come to a place that no longer does my past or my problems or my situations or my difficulties or my impossibilities have to follow me any further. Does that mean they disappear? Not always. But what that does mean is that my God is there, and once I bring it to Him, it's His problem. My grandmother, she always stated things sometimes a little more bluntly than my grandfather. He would give like these wise, sage words of wisdom. He didn't talk a lot when he did. He was a very, very quiet guy, but when he talked, the whole room would get quiet and listen. But my grandmother, she rarely stopped talking, and stated things far more bluntly than my grandfather did. And I remember her trying to get this concept of bringing our problems to God. And she was teaching a Bible study. I was, my grandmother taught like Bible studies all the time. She had at least one home Bible study in her home six days a week. She did not teach Bible studies on Sunday. That was her day of rest. But every other day of the week, all of her life, she taught Bible studies. And I remember being in one of these Bible studies as a kid. I was probably in the kitchen eating something while she was teaching at the table. But I I remember her teaching. She's trying to get this concept that we can bring whatever our problem is to God, to, to this person, about whatever they had going in their life. And she said, let me explain it to you like this. I've brought it to God. Now it's not my problem. And they're like, well, I mean, it's still my problem. I still have it in my life. She says, have you given it to God? Like, yep. She's like, then it's not your problem. And that was where she left it, and, and I thought about that a little bit, and I realized that the sanctuary that I find in God means that when I come to Him and I bring Him what I carried in, when I leave, it is His problem. It's His to carry. I can remember getting to a place one time. Actually, we'll use the same scenario. I can remember the day that all had to be reckoned with on this whole bunch of lumber that I had bought that only half of was needed, and... The supplier wouldn't take the other half back. And 
I remember being really relieved when the situation was done and I realized that that 60 grand or 70 grand in lumber sitting out in the yard wasn't my problem. Dad had to deal with it. I didn't. Boss had to deal with it. It was, it was his money tied up in that lumber. and We had to figure out how to sell it, but it wasn't my problem. I felt pretty good about it then. I was, was I still a little down? Yeah. Did I feel like the guy of the year when I found somebody and sold them that truckload of lumber? Oh, it was awesome. But in the midst of that, I could sleep at night because it wasn't my money that I didn't have tied up. I'll just tell you, if you didn't know this about me, I'm not the guy that's got a spare 60 or 70 grand laying around to buy the wrong truckload of lumber. My daughter asked me this morning, if I rake the yard, Dad, will you give me $2,000? I'm starting to think my daughter don't know who I am. I don't think she's met me. She definitely has been like a whole week since she had to ride in my Jeep, and she's going to have to go for another ride so she understands who Daddy is. But I didn't have to bother with that. It wasn't a big deal because no longer was it my problem. Did that mean that I just went willy-nilly spending tens and thousands of dollars? No, you can bet that every time I filled out an order form after that, I was real careful on what was written down before I sent that fax. I never again spent that much money on the wrong product because the rest of my time there, I, I was very, very careful about what I ordered, but I didn't have to carry the bill because it wasn't my problem. And when it comes to my sin, my mistakes, the things that I've carried in, when I walk into the church, it's like I walked through the gates of that U.S. Embassy and I didn't have to carry that bill anymore because it was no longer my problem. Because I had brought it to somebody that was bigger than me, somebody more powerful than me, somebody way more able than I am to take care of a situation. When it comes to my sin, I've brought it to somebody that's already paid that bill. When it comes to healing that's needed, I've brought it to somebody that's already paid that bill. When it comes to problems in my life, I can go find promises that somebody's already said, I'm going to take care of it. And you don't have to. I will. Just bring it to me and let me have it. And I wonder how often that we're standing just outside, metaphorically, that we're standing just outside the door of the church carrying so much weight and just wishing we had a way to get rid of all that weight. Like we stand just outside saying, I wish I had a way to get all rid of all of this. I wish I had a solution to all these problems. And God's standing on the other side of the door saying, well, if you just walk through the door, if you just bring the problems to me. Hey, I'm going to go back to the same scenario because I remember carrying that clipboard around for probably 30 minutes knowing that I had to go into my dad's office and say, hey, dad, I may have goofed up greatly because this is the wrong stuff and why I spend a lot of money on it and we got to spend a lot more money on the right stuff and I, I goofed up. I, I carried that around for quite a while. I didn't really want to walk through the door for a few reasons. One, I was like 20 and thought I was hot stuff and I didn't make mistakes. I was wrong, if you're wondering. But also because I was not really looking forward to the conversation that said, hey, by the way, 
I made a mistake, and it was a pretty big one this time. By the way, I, uh, I goofed up, and I need help getting out of this goof up. But once I walked through the office door, and I sat down, and I set that clipboard in front of Dad, and I said, Hey, Dad, I goofed up. I kind of did something here, and it's going to be a problem, and what do we do now? From there on, he picked up that load and said, okay, let's take care of it. You're only human, not a big deal. Let's fix it. And from there on, it wasn't near the burden as it was before I walked up through the door and I sat down and I handed that problem to my dad. And sometimes I feel like we carry our problems and our weight and our life and we're carrying all of that and we're just kind of carrying that clipboard around pacing outside that door. And we're walking, you know that pace, when you can see kids and you know they've done something and they've got to come tell you about it, there are times I just kind of sit back and grin and watch. I'm just waiting for them to come because they're like, they're over here and they're just, they're just kind of pacing. And Sometimes you already know what's happened. You already know what they've done. You already know the problem. You've already figured out a solution and they're over here. Um, Dad? You're like, yeah. They're like, I love you. Um, Dad? Um, yes. Um, you look really good today. Uh, Dad? Yeah, I might have messed up. I think sometimes we're, we're pacing. God? You look really good today, God. I, I, you're pretty awesome, Lord. And he's sitting up there and he's already seized the problem. He's already got the solution. He's just waiting on us to bring it to him. You see, he is that sanctuary. No matter our problem, no matter our situation, no matter our need. Mr. Shafe, you come. He is what we need Him to be when we need Him to be it. He is where we need Him to be when we need Him to be. The great thing about having a God that is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-seeing and in all places and all the time means that my solution or problem, no matter what it is, isn't all that big of a deal. One of the things I learned on those walks through the fields as a kid is that an impossibility is simply an opportunity for a miracle. One of my earliest lessons I learned from my grandfather was those words. Mind you, this is a guy that didn't talk a lot. So we're just like walking across the field for 30, 40 minutes, I don't know, walking around. I never did figure out why until later that the only reason we walked on those walks is because I couldn't hear him talk if we were on the four-wheeler or the tractor. And it went over, it got over too quick if we were in the truck. I didn't catch that as a kid. I just wondered why we had to walk. Really, Casey. I'm like, we got a four-wheeler, a golf cart, a tractor, and a truck here. Why are we walking? I don't understand, Grandpa. But we're, we're walking, and I understood later on in life, a lot later on, like not that many years ago, that the reason we walked on those trips is because it was quiet and we had a lot of time. And we may walk for 30 minutes, and I may hear like 10 words. But I remember one of those trips, and we're like, I'm already tired and like wore out, and he's just kind of strolling along. Got a stick in his hand, piece of straw in his mouth, just enjoying the day. And I'm like, can we go back to the house now? 
But somewhere in the midst of that silence, I heard, son, impossibilities are simply opportunities for miracles. And on we went with our walk. Like that profound wisdom was nothing, and I should have already known it, but here you go, just just take this little nugget, and he'd probably been chewing on it the whole walk, just thinking through that. Something had probably happened in his life, something going on in somebody at the church's life, and um, he just passed that along as he was going through it. But I want to reuse the words of my grandpa this morning that I don't care what you're carrying today. God doesn't care what it is you brought in with you today. Your impossibility today is simply the opportunity for a miracle. It took me a long time to realize, to understand that without impossibilities, there would be no miracles. You know how we saw God heal the blind and the lame and the sick in the Bible? Because there were blind, lame, and sick. Nobody was blind, they wouldn't have been. If old Bartimaeus had been born seeing, he wouldn't have received sight. You could never have a miracle in your life without a difficulty in your life. God could never give us salvation if we're first we didn't need it. He couldn't heal our bodies if first they weren't broke. He couldn't touch our mind or touch our situation if first there wasn't a problem. So this morning I want to open these altars. I'd ask that each of us come. We all come in these doors today carrying something. Each of us have got some things in our lives somewhere. It doesn't mean that you're coming to the altars because you've done some horrible thing, but maybe you have, and that's okay too. God's still here. Whatever we brought with us this morning, I ask that each of us bring it to Him. It's in these altars that impossibilities are turned to miracles. It's in these altars that broken lives are made whole and broken bodies are healed. Hurting marriages are put back together. Hurting families are reconciled. It's in relationship with Him once we come through and truly understand what it is to have a revelation of who Jesus is. When I do that and when I bring it to Him, it's then that nothing, nothing is impossible. So this morning, I want to take the next few moments. And whatever we carried through those doors, whatever problem I brought in with me today, I want to be able to leave today and say, you know, that's that's not my problem. Not because it no longer exists, it might still be there, but because I have brought my problem, my situation, my need to the Almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that spoke the world into existence. If he can say, let there be, and it was good, you think he can't handle your need or your situation? You think he formed man out of the dust of the ground? He can't figure out what your problem is? He created you. Surely he can fix you today. This morning as our worship team begins to sing, I want to take a moment and bring my problems, my needs, my situations to the God that's the God of the breakthrough this morning, the God's the God of the miraculous this morning, the one that is here to be my sanctuary.